You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. Are you a creative person that sometimes doesn't quite know where you fit in faith communities, in culture? Maybe you're too provocative. Maybe people don't understand the questions you're wrestling with or your creative soul. Well, today we're going to bring you some inspiration. We're going to bring you some comfort. I'm going to be talking to Val Lesky. She is the artistic director and founder of Fire Exit Theater, also the associate director of the theater program at Ambrose University, one of the few remaining theater programs in Canada at a faith university. So today, how does creativity, how does the artist, how does all that fit with faith? Is it a good marriage? Is it a bad marriage? Does it work? Well, if you are an artist, if you are creative, if you have someone in your life or you've questioned the role of the arts in faith, we're going to bring you some inspiration today. Stay with us. This is the quote that launched this entire podcast, and it is, I am confused as to why we still think that the people that have the most impact on our world are businessmen or politicians or preachers. The storytellers hold the power. That was written by the woman who is joining me right now, Val Lesky. You are the founder and artistic director of Fire Exit Theater and the associate director of the theater program at Ambrose University in Alberta. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So you wrote an article about um, the arts and people of faith being involved in the arts. What was the genesis? What prompted you to write this article? Oh, so many things. Uh, It is my drive (laughs) in life. Uh, Part of my calling, I guess, to not just simply create art, uh, but also, I guess, be an advocate for it, certainly within uh, the Christian community who continues to say that we want to impact culture, we want to impact society. Uh, So I hear that all the time from churches and from post-secondaries, and yet they don't know what to do with artists. They cancel the programs, they don't support theater or film or dance, Um, they don't certainly promote it within, uh, usually on the stages, uh, uh, in the sanctuaries. And so, yeah, I'm, I am dismayed by that, uh, certainly because uh, I believe that statement very strongly. Uh, certainly through COVID, what, what did we do? We watched hours and hours of content. Um, right now, Netflix alone has 223 million subscribers. And we watch, on average, every month, Six billion hours of content. That's a B, billion. That's just Netflix. That's not Hulu and Peacock and HBO. I I don't, I'm guessing that we didn't watch six billion hours of political speeches. We don't watch six billion hours of sermons. (laughs) At least I haven't. Um, So who, who do we think is actually telling our world, and I should say North America, I can't speak for what's going on in South Korea, but um, who's telling us what to wear and how to smell and where to live and what to think about God and gender and sexuality and generosity and heaven and hell and all of it? Who's telling us that? It's the artists. And I, I 
think it was so interesting too. And of course, now I'm speaking in a Canadian context just for a minute here. Um, you had heard about the cancellation of some theater programs at post-secondary, two post-secondary institutions here in Canada, leaving the one that you work with at Ambrose University as the only theater program from a faith-based perspective in Canada. Am I correct on that? That's correct. So if you are uh, interested in theater or dance, Ambrose University will be the last standing accredited post-secondary Christian institution in Canada where you can train. If you are interested in integrating your faith in any way into that art practice, we'll be the last one standing. Uh, and that that's horrifying to me that we are not training the artists to go out and create culture and to tell better stories. Yeah, I think that that is so incredibly sad. And, you know, I, I, I just wonder if people really realize, because I mean, it's probably a funding issue, right? It's probably not that people are against theater. And I think a devil's advocate might say to you, um, well, listen, you can go anywhere to learn theater. You don't have to go to a Christian university. So what is the faith aspect that, that you feel like is so important? Sure, you, you can go anywhere and learn business and learn biology and learn any of the humanities. So I guess the argument would be, why do we have Christian post-secondary liberal arts universities at all? And maybe we don't need them. I, I don't know. But if we do uh, continue to have uh, this offering, um, especially for the artists, I think because... Uh, there is something really important for me as a person of faith that I get to explore uh, explore that in my creative process and at the very least not be hindered uh, because I can guarantee you if you are um, a Christian, especially uh, going into sort of secular um, post-secondary, you better be pretty strong on your conviction um, because you will be challenged in that. And that's okay. Um, but not every student is going to do well in th in that scenario. And uh, yeah, I'm super interested in training up artists who want to integrate their faith into their art and their art into their faith. And, you know, I was playing the devil's advocate, but I have to now in the interest of full disclosure, I have to say that I went to university as a piano major. Um, realized that I didn't want to play piano every waking hour of my life and it was more of a hobby. And then I took a bunch of courses to kind of try to figure out what do I do now? You know, it's that hard question that you have to answer so young about what do I want to do with my whole life? And one of my courses was introduction to media. It was at a Christian university. And my media teacher talked about what you're saying essentially is the impact of media on how we think about the world, our views and how we process the world and, and how we live and what we do. And he did it from the inspiration angle of how we can inspire people to faith and for healing and for goodness and for generosity and kindness and everything that the gospel, forgiveness, everything the gospel embraces. And my imagination caught fire. Here I am three decades later, Val, uh, working in media, hosting a national television show. And it is literally because of that professor who ignited my heart about the impact of what my career could be on the world for good. So even though I challenged you on that, I am a product of exactly what I'm saying. And it was so special to me for him to articulate and vision 
the impact that I could have as a creator, as a creative, as a media creator, and the impact for good on the world. So, yes. Yes. And I'm, you know, I'm disappointed in, and yet I, I do understand, uh, you know, certainly from a parent's point of view, um, you know, their kid says, I want to be an artist. I want to train as a musician or a dancer or a playwright. Um, the number one question I get asked is, will they be able to afford a house in Calgary? I don't know. No one can afford a house in Calgary. Engineers can't. I don't know. Is is that the highest calling that you have for your child, that they can afford a house in Calgary? Where's the question, uh, is this what God put them on the planet to do? How about that question? Uh, and then looking at, I don't know, the narrative of the gospel, which I can't find anywhere, certainly in the New Testament, where Jesus is like, follow me, you'll be able to contribute to your RSPs regularly and buy a house in Calgary, and you'll be safe and sound and have health care. Oh, it doesn't say that. Right? I don't know. It's I, I do read some weird um, versions, but... Like, it's like, follow me. You're probably going to go to jail. You you will be persecuted. You're going to be on a grand adventure. You may own nothing. How about your kid does what they were put on the planet to do and they rent for the rest of their life? Like, is that the biggest tragedy that their child actually it becomes a person and influence uh, again through maybe they work for Netflix, maybe they become, a, you know, a production assistant on the next film, maybe they, all the, those are, again, the things that are the most influential. Why would you not want your child to be able to speak into culture in that way? Mm. Do, do I think that businessmen do? Yes, of course they do. And biology majors, they're all changing our world in, in many ways. But I stand by this idea that artists are the most influential and I'm an artist and I've been I'm not super comfortable with that right <laughs> like we hold a lot of power and we don't have our stuff together we don't mm. if we're not living a good story well then we have the stories that are coming out and you know again as a community we like to criticize oh you know all of the the smut coming out of Hollywood or the violence or the well if we don't like that we need to create something different because just boycotting that or writing a letter or that actually does not impact Hollywood at all. The way that you change culture is in the, <laughs> if you've ever read Andy Crouch's book on culture making, he will say, you just need to make more of it, make it better. We have the best stories and we don't tell them well, so no one is listening. Hmm. But we want to just complain amongst ourselves. That's horrible, all that stuff coming out of L.A. or New York or that makes no difference. And you're kidding yourself if you're you think your child and let's and ourselves are not, again, consuming huge amounts of content that is influencing ourselves. Yeah. Right. Uh. Why would you not want to be a part of that, of changing that? And so, yeah, I'm I'm sad that parents don't see this as an amazing gift. Instead, they go, it's hard, it's expensive, it's not a real job, it's too secular, all the things. I've heard all right. the things. What might happen to the way that my child thinks about the world if they're involved with those people who think that way? Like, right? to be clear, I was a banker for 13 years. I, I actually think working in the bank, I the guys that I worked with, they were all having affairs, they were all going out drinking after the... Like, 
there was just as much shenanigans <laughs> going on there. And I'm not saying that, yes, of course, uh, there is the arts uh, and the artists are, are also broken. And that's why I love them. I'm an arts chaplain in my community. Uh, mm -hmm. So I want to impact them not only through my art, but through drinking lots of coffee with them and just listening to them. But th this, if you want to make an impact in the world, you have to live in the world. And yes, yes you're going to bump up against people who don't agree with you and have different worldviews and, uh, you know, get your foundation, get your get it yourself together, but then go out and impact that world. The, the world is the arts world is dark because we took away the light and then we're mm -hmm. complaining about the dark. Well, that's oh. our fault. It's not their fault. Okay, I could just sit on that line. The artist world is dark because we took away the light. You know, I, I have a friend who um, just uh, be, joined a mainstream um, music group. And uh, there's so much about what he's telling me that sounds like he's already in a story that God was already writing. And he's just the latest chapter in terms of drawing people toward him. And, you know, if we don't show up, then we can't be part of that story right? Like we have to be in those conversations. We have to be there with people who are hurting and broken and, or need inspiration or, you know, just, just to be able to speak that light into us. And you think you said we have the greatest stories. I mean, the Bible, you make this point in the article that the Bible is 70% story. Tell me about that. Yeah. It, it's interesting how the church again in North America has sort of switched that ratio because the Bible itself is 70 to 75% story, parable, uh, poetry, music, metaphor, and about 25% sort of didactic teaching. Don't do this, do this. And yet you go to any church service and it's about, you know, 70% of that teaching and 30%, you know, three songs, two hill songs and a Bethel and a, maybe a Matt Redman and we're good. Like there's no inspiration or very little. And yet Jesus himself is like the best storyteller ever, the best preacher ever. And yet we don't have chapters and chapters and chapters in the Bible of these like long sermons that he preached with, you know, the 14 PowerPoint slides and the, he's just got up and said, there was this man, he had two sons, there was a virgin, mm -hmm. there was some, right? Were, yes. were any of those true like did they actually happen and does it matter that is truth he gave us truth through story mm -hmm. because he knows that's how humans best remember we are impacted and remember when it's a story mm. i can walk out of a church service and please understand i, I love the church i am a licensed minister in my denomination um but I, my criticism is because I want to do this better. Um, but when I go to a church and I walk out of the sermon and everyone in the lobby is talking about whether to go to Tim Hortons or Perkins, uh, but I walk out of a theater show and people are laughing and crying and want to engage in what they just experienced. Like, what is wrong? <laughs> if you just came out of a service where... You heard the word of God that is sharper than a two-edged sword, but you were bored to death and you will not remember that, whatever that sermon was, like two days from now. Hmm. But we all remember like 
the first concert we went to, like people come up to me at my church and they remember some ridiculous skit I did, you know, 12 years ago. <laughs> because there's something about art that breaks us open to let the message get in. And so it mm. lives in a different place in our body. I'm a teacher. There's, there is a place for teaching. But man, we need to inspire people and break them open to actually get the message of the truth to live inside of us. Okay, so we talked about the problem. And you say in this article, I think that we've made great strides in so many areas like supporting single moms, helping people living with addictions, or people going through divorce or helping new immigrants. So we do so many things right. What can we do to help su support and invest more in this area of the arts? Yeah, exactly. I think the church gets uh, lots of things right. We've got all the classes, all the workshops, all the systems set up for lots of different um, categories of people or issue. And yet the church does not know what to do with artists. They're weird. <laughs> they're untrustworthy. They're risky. Um, uh, and so they, number one, they don't incorporate uh, much art. I don't see much art anymore. Again, I will speak to the Protestant church in North America. Um I can tell you, I can go to any Protestant church in North America on any given Sunday and tell you ex exactly what that order of service is going to be, hmm. right? A pastor is going to come out in skinny jeans and say, welcome church. Then we're going to sing <laughs> three songs, maybe four. Uh, we're going to ask for money. And then we're going to hear someone talk for 40 minutes. Like, I'm not sure if the order of service came down on, like, one of the tablets, the Ten Commandments. Like, we will never deviate. We will never, like, what if oh. we put a song in the middle of the sermon? What if we did a dance? Like, that would be crazy. Okay. But, okay. So tell me your your um, ideal church service. Just one. Because I know as, an, as a creative artistic person, you're not going to want to do it the same way every week. But if you were to create one where we honor the arts, where we bring in that creativity and storytelling, what would it look like? I think that you try to portray the gospel in not just the spoken word. Uh, could you speak for seven minutes uh, and have, you know, two songs and a short film? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a dance in there. Maybe there's poetry. Hopefully there's a gallery in the lobby before you came in to church that you're already like, Oh, this is different. Um, this I, I want to engage in this. Um, yeah, it, you're right. There's so many different options. And again, I understand churches don't necessarily, you don't have a full drama team. You don't have all the expertise. Man, do you know someone who can really read poetry well? Do you have one person? Do you have someone who could just read scripture as reader's theater? Two people, maybe. Could it be that? Could you, yeah, show a short film? and have a conversation again you've every every church has got you know three visual artists that can paint something for christmas and put it up in the lobby and the artists stand out there and engage with the convert uh, congregation to say this is what inspired me this is how i hear from god mm. just that it doesn't have to be we're putting on the passion play every sunday <laughs> with live sheep uh, right it it's something can we deviate a bit from the order of service? Can we trust that the gospel can come out in beautiful music and beautiful imagery uh, and beautiful poetry and not just 
preaching? And can you create a place? Uh, so many of the artists, even artists of faith, have left the church because, again, they do, they don't have anywhere to do their craft and their gift unless you play the bass guitar or sing in the choir. You're probably not going to be on stage, so they've they've left. They don't have a place to do that. Hmm. Um, you know, I started even just a little artist group at my church that, you know, we'd meet even if you met once a month with. And said, let's go to a play together and then have coffee and engage in that. Let's go to a gallery together. Let's watch a movie together. Uh, and then, you know, even if it's twice a year, Christmas and Easter, we're going to present something at the church. It's going to be simple. Uh, but again, there's I think there's just lots of ways to engage artists uh, and care for them. Um, I have, through Fire Exit, we have churches in the community who support us financially because they see us as a mission. So the same way they send, you know, a hundred bucks a month to the food bank or the pregnancy care center, they send money to us because we are missional. We are not simply putting on plays, but we are engaging in this community again, that has been not engaged with the church. They all have a story why they don't love the church or they hate God or and I'm chaplaining them. I'm the one doing their weddings and their funerals and listening to them when their life falls apart. Mm. Right. And just trying to welcome them and give them a place. So find an arts, you know, a, a company in your community that you can support, buy tickets to go see a show. Um, yeah. Serve that community. You know what every theater company needs? Somebody to help show up on the last day of the show and help take the set down. Every company needs that. They all need volunteer ushers. They all need someone to sit on their board. Right? Uh, I hear it. What I hear you saying is that there's a whole mission field out there that oh gosh, yeah. we need to reach out to. And I think even people of faith in the arts, many of them have a wounded soul because they've been misunderstood and not welcomed and not given platform or a place. So I think it's a good challenge to leave us with is how can we as a faith community breathe new life into the arts, support, open doors, make room, get out of our uh, ruts that we've fallen into and, and welcome them in a new way. It's certainly given me something to think about, even as I'm in media. And Val, thank you so much, because I'm pretty sure when you said that you have people supporting, it's because of your advocacy, your passion, your voice. Please don't stop advocating, and we are going to listen to you, I promise. <laughs> I'm tired and grumpy. I hope that there's someone coming up after me that will do this better. Oh, yeah. No, you're amazing. And we're so thankful to have you today on the 100 Huntley Street podcast. Thanks so much, Val, for joining us. I'll come back anytime. Justin, come on over here. He's a good looking 14 year old young man. Stories of trials turning into triumphs, shame to shalom, tests to testimonies, and victims to victors. We hear these stories. We write and produce these stories to remind you that you, you are loved. I hope you've enjoyed that conversation with Val. So many good things to say about what it means to have a creative soul. 
the Bible made up of stories, God being the most incredible storyteller of all. I always say about God that he loves a good story. And that's what's so hard about him because good stories always come with drama, you know, like where you say, God, if you don't come by midnight, I'm going to die. And then at 12.05, he shows up and somehow you're still alive and it all works out. Or, you know, you think about the Israelites at the, you know, um, the Israelites being pursued by the Egyptians and they're stuck right at the sea. And, you know, it looks like it's all going to end. And then the sea opens up and they cross the sea, but then the Egyptians are in the sea with them and, you know, they're not going to be able to escape and they're all going to die. And then as soon as they get across, the sea closes and all the Egyptians die. I mean, that is a great story when we're reading it. But if you were that Israelite in that time, you would not be enjoying that story so much. So here's the thing. God loves to write great stories and great stories. Stories are not always easy. And so I hope you're encouraged today that whatever story you're finding yourself in right now, if we trust in God, if we believe him, even with that grain of mustard seed of faith that the Bible talks about, that there can be an amazing end to your story, that there can be a new day, that that your story can even be rewritten, the ugly parts of your story. And if you're creative and you felt misunderstood in the church or you felt like you haven't had a place, I just want to unequivocally say that you have a place, that you are welcome, that your gifts are needed, your voice is needed, your unique method of storytelling, of being um, exploring questions and being provocative, it's needed. And for us in the church that maybe haven't always understood the arts, maybe there's a way that you can support it anew. Maybe there's um, somebody you know putting on a play or somebody fundraising, crowd fundraising for a documentary or an artist that you can attend their show and encourage them. What are the ways that we can kind of fan the flame of the creatives in our lives, in our culture, and say, yeah, your voice matters. I don't always get where you're going, but your voice matters. And just encourage them, pray for them, support them. And hey, if you're someone who's maybe had your heart hurt in the church because your gift wasn't welcomed or understood, oh man, that just breaks my heart to hear that. But listen, we want to make sure that there's a safe place for you, that there is healing. We have prayer lines that are open 24-7 that are just available for you to call, to have someone that will listen to your story, that will pray with you, that maybe will help you work through some forgiveness, that will help you receive the welcome that maybe you haven't received that you should have received. So please take advantage of that. That number is 1-866-273-4444. You can also send us an email at prayer at crossroads.ca. This conversation matters, your giftings matters, and you are an important part of the church. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.